folks. Welcome to Two Feet Apart with me, your host, Peachy Patrick. Two Feet Apart is a space for individuals to learn that language matters, that words mean things, that to embrace diversity means to practice inclusivity within the LGBTQ plus Indigenous, people of color, and Black communities. To embrace diversity means to provide accessible practices for those who possess visible and invisible disabilities. It's a space to place egos in the crevices of our beings in hopes of broadening mental horizons to foster growth. It's a space to fuel mindfulness. It's a space to emulate vulnerability in the sharing of our stories because our stories are our greatest strengths and our strongest powers, our superpowers. With that in mind, happy listening. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Two Feet Apart with me, your host, P.G. Patra. Today we have on, I always say this, but one of my favorite Instagram accounts. Um, so we have Julia from Glassful. She is the creator and she's also an officiant. Julia, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes. Hi. Thank you for having me. It's oh, my gosh. A pleasure, my pleasure to be here. Um, so I created Glassful which is a community that aims to bring people together in the spirit of soul deep self-care. So it's anchored in this belief that when we meet our own needs, when we are far better equipped to show up for others. And I explore this through ritual and ceremony. That's kind of where the efficient part comes in through mindfulness and journaling and Glassful exists as a community on Instagram, which is where we were connected, and also in in real life, in events and retreats and workshops that I've held, but I'm hoping to do a lot more of in the future, and also through one of my favorite avenues, which is the, the POR, which is the Glassful newsletter. Which is also one of my favorites. Um, <laughs> yeah, you. I feel like there's so much just even packed into that into that intro you're such an inspiring and incredible person and we were joking prior to recording about how if I ever get married again like you need to be the efficient because <laughs> everything you say is so not even empowering it's so like nurturing it's so comforting um all of those things so thank you I actually had a therapy session this morning and we were talking about I went to say I was like something triggered me but I don't like using the word triggered and I know it's got a lot of ties to like PTSD terminology and things like that and so mm. then later on in the session she goes to use the word self-care and she's like I also hate that word I feel like it's also overused and things like that and the tough thing is a lot of people think oh self-care like yeah I need time for a bubble bath and to wash my hair and things like that but it goes a lot deeper and that's something that you do a really good job of embodying and advocating for so what would you say your definition of self-care is Mm, that's such a good first of all it sounds like you had a great therapy session and I was so happy to be like I just I just know those like post-therapy session glow vibes and I'm happy to be um basking in the light of that I mean it's not always a glow sometimes it's like intense but yeah no I cried but but, we'll make it work (laughs) Yeah. Um, But my definition of self-care, to me, it is looking holistically and deeply at the self through our emotional, spiritual, physical needs and being in tune with them in a way that allows us to 
determine what can make us feel well. And so that's kind of like a long-winded roundabout way of saying it's knowing yourself. It's knowing your needs and what is working in this moment and what's not. And it's giving yourself the grace and compassion to assess that continually and employ the tools that you have that work for you and your unique blueprint to, um, to, to genuinely care for yourself. Mm-hmm. How can people best go about figuring out where their self-care gaps are, for lack of a better term, and different strategies and tools that they could start to implement without it being too overwhelming? Mm, that's a really good question. Because it's true that I find a lot of the time, especially in the way that self-care has been sort of commoditized and turned into something that can feel like another item on your to-do list. Um, For me, sometimes it's just found in silence and in quiet, even if it's five minutes, it's just a, you know, hand on the heart, deep breath. And uh, in this moment, what do I need? And sometimes that can be all you really do have time for. I know you're a single mom and I know that self-care, like no matter how much support you have, um, it it looks very different than it may have um, pre-baby and in a different version of your life. And even if you have you know, a job that doesn't necessarily allow you to um, continually be fueling your reserves. Um, I think that the ways that we kind of combat that are through just mindfulness, truly, and checking in with the self and listening and, um, and, and taking the pockets of time where you can. I'm a big believer in the, the idea that um, self-care doesn't need to be a whole production, doesn't have to be expensive, it doesn't have to be fancy, or it doesn't need to require you to buy a lot of things. I think that a lot of the time we have what we need to care for ourselves. And for me, um, some of my most kind of critical forms of self-care are elemental so it's being outside in nature and taking a walk and feeling the breeze on my face and feeling the rush of air as it comes into my lungs when I step outside for the first time in the day like that for me is immediate access to something that makes me feel well Um, and it, it doesn't always look like that I think that there are tiers and layers and you have spaces and time where you can unpack certain categories of your well-being like for example uh, emotionally sometimes it's situational something that isn't working for you that requires boundaries or a conversation and that's part of it and it's kind of like tabs that pop up as we go through life and you just have to be connected enough I think with yourself and with your own spirit to know when those things need to be addressed So long-winded way of saying, I think it comes back to connectedness with yourself, to to being able to uh, 
uh, sit in mindful reflection and do that in a way that works for you. For me, that's journaling, but for some people that might be on their morning run or in a conversation with a friend, but whatever allows you to draw on your own inner knowledge of what you need. That's beautiful. I feel a little called out by you saying you don't need to spend money for it. I think that's, that was <laughs> definitely something big for me as I like started looking at like how I could take better care of myself and all the things I was like, oh, you know, I need to go do this and I need and things like that. But I think for me, it was just an excuse to feel like more connected to like luxury experiences because that's not mm. something I was used to. And I found that when people were like, you know, self-care is just taking a bath or sleeping when the baby sleeps. And don't even get me started on that, <laughs> that phrase. But um, I heard I that's like a myth. I don't have children. But it's I a myth. That's a bit of a myth. Because then am I going to do laundry when the baby does laundry? Or mm-hmm. am I going to shower when the baby, like it It never works. Um, But I will say it's sleep whenever you can, because mm-hmm. laundry can wait. And frankly, showers can wait. <laughs> realistically um but I shouldn't give that advice my son's always been a really good sleeper but that being said um you know people always give the copycat self-care advice like you know take showers and do this and that and a lot of people are like okay but I'm doing that and it's not working for me and so Mm. I really appreciate your answer recognizing that like people have different scopes and capacities and also that it is like a seasonal thing you change and go through and those those needs may change and that schedule may look something different Um, and when I was looking at like I said I had therapy this morning and so we were looking at what what I can do next week. It's the holidays. I'm off work. What can I do to kind of start to bring myself into a better place? And so we were looking at kind of little things and I'm like, to be honest, I can't do when I have like a list of take your vitamins every day, eat three meals a day, get full night's sleep. Mm -hmm. Like I need the smallest baby steps, like find the charger for my happy lamp. Cause then maybe the next day I'll plug it in. Um, What are some baby steps like that, that we can use for broader self-care as well? The first thing that I would say to somebody that is looking to start with, with a baby step, it would be start with breathing. I know that that's like such an annoying thing to hear, but just start with some breaths. There are some very accessible and free ways to, um, to just notice your breath and take that time to ground into the feeling of air flowing in and out. And to me, that's kind of like the start of practicing connecting to yourself. And I will say breathing and, and, and kind of focusing on that can be for some people um, triggering for lack of a better word, or not something that can um, immediately and easily be accessed depending on, you know, your past and your circumstances. And I think that an alternative, um, is just noticing then one of the nice exercises that I think, um, is fairly accessible is to just notice the senses around you. So you probably heard about it before, but the five things you can see, five things you can hear, Mm -hmm. five things you can smell, and um, just kind of becoming aware 
that you are a person in the world that has needs and can take a moment to observe your surroundings and then you and your heart and what you actually need. I think it kind of flows from there. So yeah, just starting with allowing. And I think it's the intent, anything that is done with intent um, allows you to carve out that space for mindfulness. So maybe, and, and, and the beginning of kind of self-care, because as I was saying, I really think that mindfulness is the beginning of true and, um, and beneficial and lasting self-care. And that can just be choosing to wake up in the morning and noticing that you're putting your feet into your slippers or feeling in your body what it's like when you stretch or what it feels like in your face when you yawn or splash water on it. Or um, if you are somebody that needs to start the day with caffeine as fuel, it's noticing that you are boiling the water and noticing the smell of the coffee and the steam, how it feels or how it looks in the sun in your place, whatever it is, it's, um, it's these kind of tiny ways of allowing yourself to be a present participant in your life. And I think that is the babyest, babyest first step to knowing what you might need. That's powerful. I love that last sentence there, like a present participant in your own life. Um, and mm. I think how many times do we finish a drive home and are like, oh, did I did I blink? Was there even yeah. a stop sign? Did I stop yeah. at it? Um, and especially, sorry to interrupt, but I was just thinking okay. about this from the perspective of caregivers, you are spending so much of your day thinking about someone else's needs. Like that is consistently on your heart and spirit and mind in such a consuming way that like you said showers can wait and that is one of those kinds of things that just becomes part of your reality but I think that in the absence of kind of time to create these sort of what more in-depth self-care moments like maybe you don't have time to have a 20-minute journaling session in the morning or whatever else it is it's just reminding yourself that you are here too that mm -hmm. you does your needs deserve to be met as well and looking at how you can create more space to see yourself in that and to be seen in what you um in in what you're doing and how you're caring but also how you can be giving that to yourself in the little ways that you can so good the one thing that I find with self-care that a lot of people struggle with is um, a combination of consistency and consequently, like the amount of grace they have for themselves. Um, mm. And I, I know that I'm one of these people and I'm kind of comforted knowing that like most of my friends are the exact same. But an example would be, you know, if someone wanted to try journaling and they did it for five days in a row and the sixth day they missed it for some reason, then it's gone. That's it. No more journaling kind of thing. What are things that we can tell ourselves to remind ourselves to have grace while we learn and develop these new habits and rituals that we can do to start to honor ourselves? Mm. That's such a good question. And honestly, something that I am totally guilty of as well and have had to do a lot of unlearning around. That's this kind of like productivity mentality that we 
are fed that, you know, we are of value the more we accomplish things and get things done and check things off a list. And so we are trying to put that framework onto something that totally defies it, you know, taking care of yourself. I think it helps me to kind of get out of that mindset when I reframe it and say, this is a beautiful, like, rose of curiosity and playfulness and nurturing and care that I'm giving to myself and it's for me so I can't get wrong I just have to consistently show up and hold all of the compassion for myself when I am not able to do something and also sometimes I don't need to journal on the sixth day maybe that day what I actually needed was to sleep in because that's what my body was telling me so it's this consistent balance I think and I don't know if I will ever perfect that I think that it's just a conversation that has to happen in your mind of just like oh remember this is this is for you and you get to show up with love for yourself as you do these things and it gets to be it gets to be approached from this lens of curiosity and joy and wholehearted worthiness and deservingness because when you have that framework there's no room for shame in how you're doing something there's no room for a right or wrong way to create space for yourself beautiful I'm curious what led you into, I don't even want to say this field of work because that doesn't really do it justice, but what brought this passion to you? Hmm. I think like most people who are offering something in this kind of sort of wellness space, it always comes from your own story. It always comes from your own gaps and a lesson you had to learn, something that your soul had to figure out or is still figuring out. And it resonates in such a deep way that you don't have a choice but to share it with other people. And so for me, uh, I think that, you know, looking just at kind of who I am, if you're familiar with like Enneagram, I'm a type two, which is sort of like the helper. I uh, am an oldest sibling, (laughs) which uh, comes with, you know, a lot for me of that sort of responsibility and giving of myself uh, and doing it in a way that I would never not because that's who I am. And I love, and I love to, but I think that I've had to learn how to give of myself and not give up myself and be, um, be able to genuinely show up with generosity and uh, with love for the people in my life while simultaneously showing up for myself. And that was something I had to learn. And it also, as sort of a recovering people pleaser, that has not been easy. And so for me, self-care and self-love all sort of 
came into my life when I started to unpack how I would show up in my relationships and the value that I thought I had to bring to them by doing and being and giving. And I think that unlearning some of that and coming to a place of, of, you know, really just only wanting to pour from an overflow. That's why it's called glass full, which is that idea that you can't pour if you're empty. And so it, it does come from my own life experience of being, uh, you know, just my sort of soul's blueprint, who I am as a human and the lessons that I need to learn in this lifetime, I guess. But I think some of the other parts of Glassful, like for example, the ideas of bringing people together around this and the curiosity and the doing it as a community, because it's one thing to just focus on it for yourself, but one of the pivotal parts of it is that we're doing it together. And that is my fundamental belief that we are not meant to do things alone. We are meant to walk alongside one another and hold each other's hands and figure it out and share knowledge and lift others when we can. And so, and I know that that's a big part of what two feet apart is and is founded in, in general. So I think we really align on that kind of belief that if you are, and and I also find that like this wellness space can be really myopic and it can take you so deeply into your own stuff that it's kind of like, okay, sometimes you need to just pull yourself out of your own head and mind and self-absorbed focus and just look at how other people have maybe moved through something similar or are going through similar things. And it just allows you to, I, I think, have greater compassion for yourself when you realize that you are not alone in this. And it also helps you to kind of I think be a little bit more grounded when you realize that we're just kind of all these like little humans trying to do hard things and figure it out together. And I think we can learn a lot from one another when we do. So that kind of community part of it really comes from that belief. And then the rituals and ceremonies and, um, the kind of events I've always worked in events that's been kind of my nine to five for, for years now. And I've, I kind of started with a retreat. That's where I wanted to, that's kind of what all that Glassful was meant to be at the beginning was just retreats based around self-care. And I really just had this vision of bringing a bunch of people together and giving them a weekend where they just were able to feel complete, um, completely cared for over a weekend. And I think I was a little bit naive at the beginning. I envisioned people coming and then feeling completely blissed out and leaving with all their problems solved. And I now have a far more realistic perspective of what the retreat weekends are meant to be, which is just that it's a meeting of people exactly where they're at. It's allowing people to feel seen to feel heard and to feel connected, whether that's to themselves, to the other people that are there, to nature and, um, and creating a space to hold that. 
that's kind of what my work truly is, is holding space for all of these different elements to interplay together and, and share my own story and experience in a way that allows people to hopefully resonate with it. Mm, I love that. And I hope you realize how much magic is in all of that. And it's easy to say, you know, we want a weekend of people gathering and things like that. And then uh, I remember you were hosting a retreat in November and I can't remember where we were, but we're always off somewhere on weekends. And so Cash and I were on a trip that weekend. So I was so, I was, I was like, could I change my tickets? Um, but I, I wasn't able to, so we couldn't come. But then I had recently reconnected with a friend and she and I were pretty much inseparable for many, many years. And then when I was married, he kind of uh, estranged me from a lot of my friends. And unfortunately she was one of them. Um, mm. And so we recently reconnected and it was, we hung out one day and it was awkward trying to catch up on like five years of everything, starting with that um, and ending with my, my child. Uh, and so <laughs> I, ha I had the idea from your retreat. I was like, listen, I have access to like, basically like a cottage um our work has it for the team to use and for a company like workshops and things like that and so I was like if I can reach out and we can get access to it would you want to go up for a weekend and she was like yeah like and so she brought along another friend who I had recently been connected with as well and we went up and we like went grocery shopping we made like food from scratch which at home to be honest that that doesn't happen very often <laughs> it's mm. maybe once or twice a week but we all took turns cooking we sat there and just like got cozy we played games we took a bunch of pictures on film we played like the and card game um and mm -hmm. had like some really good conversations and afterwards I was like Julia's on to something like that's where it is <laughs> and I'm like if I can raise my son in these environments and with this amount of love and nurture and community then like mission not to say mission accomplished you never know but then I've done a huge part of the job that I want to do and so I think yeah. that 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 community part but also centering it in care and comfort and love and kindness is so so beautiful and essential and important mm. what did you think you were gonna do like growing up I always told people I wanted to be a pediatrician which is hilarious because that's very far from my personality now um but what was your your big dream job mm. um in grade three I also wanted to be a pediatrician oh my god great minds <laughs> Also, just because I loved babies. So really Same. had no, yeah, really had no right. idea what that would involve. I just thought it meant like getting to be around babies. All yeah. Time, you're like so. babies. Cool. Done. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Um, it's funny because I never knew I've never had this clarity around what I was meant to do. And I chased that for so long and I think felt the need for a really long time to define myself by whatever that title might be mm. of what I would do. And I still have a nine to five and I have worked, um, throughout, you know, my career over the last 10 plus years in different spaces. And at the beginning of it, it was very much like, okay, you need a promotion after two years, you have to see the growth and that kind of continual title change and, that was kind of what I 
was measuring my progress by. And then I think in the last probably five years, there's been a real shift where for me, my, my work is in continuing to do things that call to me, that I find joy in, that feel right, that kind of deep knowing that you are in flow and doing something that feels good to you. And so my, I have kind of refocused to just follow those things. And I think for the longest time, I also wanted a side hustle. And I was just mm-hmm. like, I need something to do on the side, like a business. Like, what is that going to look like if my nine to five was not going to be, you know, the thing that brought me all of the passion and joy and purpose. I was all about purpose, mm-hmm. but, um, I just, I just kept kind of pushing aside the obvious, which is that you, I am here to bring people together. That is what I have always excelled at. That is kind of what I have always done. So I stopped sort of rejecting the obvious nudges towards that. And Glassful has been a very heart-centered and intuition-led business. I've sort of continuously just followed this thread of of personal growth it's very much a mirror and a reflection of the own my own growth and the ways that I am evolving as a human and I think that it gets and it it uh, all of the offerings that Glassful has are manifested through that lens of my own growth and my own personal um, evolution but um, I did go to school. I did um, my undergrad in international development and world religion. And again, just as somebody who has always loved stories, the whole sort of thread there was around understanding people and culture and societies and why they have the motivations to do what they do, uh, why they love, why they fight. And and how different parts of the world and cultures in the world create meaning. And I've always been a spiritual person that could probably be its own podcast episode of sort of the evolution of what spirituality has looked like for me. But I think uh, that now as somebody that is stepping into this space of ritual and ceremony, it's a pretty clear link to what I have always been interested in, which is essentially stories and threads of connection and the things that make humans find purpose in life. So I'm, I feel like I'm incapable of giving a a clear and direct answer. I'm taking you on this, like, we love a journey. That is just, that's who I am. I just kind of dive right deep into it, but essentially to kind of really sum that up. I never knew what I wanted to be. I had all these different things. One point it was going to be like, I'll be in the civil service and be a humanitarian. At one point I was interested in politics. At another point I, you know, thought that maybe I would stay in the space of like research and think tank and fundraising. And then I worked in publishing and I did a lot of different things, but I just, I never had that one title that was, this is what I need to be. And I still don't, I still don't have an end goal for 
where I'm hoping to land. But now I trust that I will get there. And I know that um, it's not really an end goal. It's just my continuous evolution as a human that will always want to be of service in the world and hold space for others. That resonates. I love it. And I love the adaptability there. You know, you don't need to be, this sounds so cliche, you don't need to be defined by like one title or Mm -hmm. one thing. And to, I think that's something I also learned the hard way. Um, I wanted to be a pediatrician. I went to school for criminal investigations. Um, I realized I only went to school because I wanted more answer on my biological dad. Um, Mm. And so one of my profs owned a PI firm and I reached out and I said, like, can you just help me like deep dive into this? So we did. And then I was like, cool. Like, I I don't actually want to pursue this as a career. Um, (laughs) And then I started working in the most random of fields. And then uh, and then I wanted to go to law school because I was like, I would be a good lawyer. I feel like I, I get very passionate about things. What had happened was I took my car to the dealership and the person that worked there had crashed it into another car and they oh. were refusing to like pay for anything or cover anything. And I was very determined. I was like, they will fix it for free. And so my dad was like, Patrick, there's no chance. Anyway, they fixed it for free. And I was very proud of myself. So then I was like, I'm going to go to law school. And then I was like, <laughs> and then I got pregnant. And I'm like, I'm really glad I didn't because that's a big investment and I don't actually want to go to law school. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think the fluidity and the grace with ourselves there is also super duper important and recognizing that just because I told everyone that I was going into criminal investigations, I didn't have to stick with it. Or I was going to university for nursing, you don't have to stick with it. And so having the complexity there, and I think that also like so much of my life experience comes from all of these random like switches and miscellaneous job fields and things like that and so I think that's also like a really cool thing to have like in our belts you know absolutely and you get to be you know like I don't self-care is an important part of my life and the work that I'm doing with glass full is important but I I don't call myself an expert in anything I'm not a mental health professional I'm not in that space I am simply somebody with deep curiosity and the desire to figure things out together you know and I think that that's kind of the philosophy that I'm leading with right now which doesn't really come that easily to me that's been something I've had to learn too like I used to very much exist in this world of like absolutes and feeling like I needed to know everything and needing to be kind of like an expert or somebody that I could just like have this full thing that I knew everything about but I just think the more you learn the more you realize there is to still learn Mm -hmm. what is something that you think everyone regardless of where they are who they are should hear Mm. that's such a good question I think I would say everyone regardless of who you are and what you've done and how you're finding yourself should know and hear and believe that they are loved, that they deserve to be seen and that they are worthy of, of being all of that. 
Well, if I, I always say like, if I could snap and have it be heard, but I can't snap properly. So nobody will hear it, <laughs> <laughs> but amazing answer. I love it. What are some things that you're currently working on or trying to raise awareness for? Hmm. I'm currently learning how to truly understand and employ boundaries and I'm reading Nedra Twab's Set Boundaries, Find Peace. I love her. And oh, just such a beautiful person and such a great book that has such genuinely practical examples. It's so readable. And I think I'm really unpacking my original understanding of boundaries and how I thought I was employing them in my life, but really just wasn't. So that's what I'm doing. I'm I'm learning. I'm learning my truth with a capital T and how to fearlessly and lovingly assert that. Mm, I love that for you. Um, well, we are coming close to our time, so I will link all of this below, but where can our listeners best find or support you? Mm, Instagram is a good place at glass.full. And I think that the best of me kind of is through my newsletter, to be honest. So you can sign up for that at www.glassfull.ca slash the dash poor. The poor. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, thank you so, so much for taking the time and energy to join us and to share a little bit about your story and your passions. Um, I'm excited to get to know you more and uh, to explore future conversations with you. So thank you again. Thank you so much for hosting and for creating space for these conversations. It was a true pleasure.